0: If you're enjoying our show, please make sure you're subscribed and join us on Patreon today, starting at a tip of just $3 at patreon.com slash green dreamer. Every little bit helps and really adds up. And that is the power in community. So thank you so much for however you're able to support our work. Green Dreamer is supported by our listener patrons. To support the show starting at just $2 per month, you can head to greendreamer.com support to learn more. This month, Green Dreamer is also sponsored by my favorite tea brand, Arbor Teas, and I'm so grateful for their support during this time. They source loose-leaf and organic certified teas. They use backyard compostable packaging, which they've been doing for the past 10 years, by the way. Their operations run on solar energy, and all of their efforts are offset by carbon I myself only bought tea from Arbor Teas this past year. I love supporting them as a small family-owned business, and I also love gifting it to friends and family to support their well-being. To shop Arbor Teas Organic Teas, just head to arborteas.com. That's A-R-B-O-R-T-E-A-S.com.
1: We know how to tell a story, and that's our job, is to be the voice for everybody and to be able to tell the message in a way that is very comfortable and very empowering for people.
0: That was Debbie Levin, the CEO of the Environmental Media Association, abbreviated as EMA or as they call it, EMMA. It's a nonprofit organization that aims to provide a unified voice for our planet through entertainment, storytelling, and education. Today, Priuses are everywhere and pretty well known to be a statement of eco-consciousness. But hybrid cars and electric cars weren't always really embraced like they are today. And as it turns out, Debbie was instrumental in dismantling many people's apprehensions around such greener cars through working with celebrities. So we're going to hear all about that, how she turned something uncool into something that was trendy, the power of engaging talent in the entertainment industry to serve as role models with their vast influence on popular culture, and more. Green Dreamer, if you're ready, take a deep breath and let's dive in. Hey, it's Kamea Shane, and this is Green Dreamer, a podcast exploring our paths to ecological balance, intersectional sustainability, and true abundance and wellness for all. If you haven't already, make sure to hit subscribe, and together, let's learn what it takes to thrive in every sense of the word.
1: I have an odd story that led me here, because I had no idea about environmental issues growing up. I had never done anything in terms of working with nonprofits. I had supported nonprofits in my life, but I had never actually seen the inner workings of it. And I, this was in 1999, I was invited to a luncheon, and the luncheon was the Environmental Media Awards. It was their ninth annual. Just to put that in reference, we're having our 30th this year. So the organization is 30 years old. I was invited. I sat down, and I started listening to the mission and looked around, and the mission was to get environmental messages into the media, into content, and to inspire and teach the global public these issues and these practices and this was again before 2000 so there was no social media whatsoever there was no streaming there was the content was literally old school content and it's incredible how how not that long ago that was, that things like Netflix and, and YouTube and all of that didn't exist. But so what they were doing at the time, they were getting information, they would like pitch storylines to writers, showrunners, producers of TV shows to make sure that these storylines were woven in in an entertaining way. Bottom line was, I was so struck by this mission, I thought it was the most important thing in the world. I started asking a million questions to this random guy next to me, who I later found out was the board chair. And I'm like, oh my God, this is so powerful. of you doing this? Are you doing this? And he said, please come to lunch with me tomorrow because I love the things that you're asking. And so we went to lunch the next day, and I just thought, this is incredible. Went to lunch the next day, and he asked me to come run the organization. <laughs> and I said, okay. And not knowing anything that I was doing, I walked into an office a month later, and what he didn't tell me was that they were closing, because I think he would have asked the lamp next to him to come run the organization. I just happened to be the one talking. They had, like, no money at all. They had a very small board at the time, and they had one assistant sitting in in an office, in an empty office. And so this was the beginning of 2000, and I thought, well, okay, I still am obsessed with this mission. I think it is the most important thing in the world, and no one is doing this. And the fact that I don't know environmental issues as a very aware human being parent with two teenage kids at the time, that's crazy. And so I sort of rolled my sleeves up, and I thought, if we can do an event, if we could do a big awards gala by December of this year, then this can go on. If not, I've tried. I've given it my everything. And that is really how this started. And that's why why I was so motivated. And obviously, it's completely changed my life. It's changed my children's lives. It's now changed my grandchildren's lives. I mean, we are all so affected. And then all the different people that one can be relating to in, in a path. And so that was it. Random luncheon. And-
0: with such a powerful mission, why do you think it was that they weren't able to create a success of it early on? And what exactly did you do when you stepped in to turn it around? Was it through that award show, as you mentioned, or what else did you do?
1: It was successful for several years. It was founded by studio heads and some of the, a handful of the top executives in the entertainment industry very powerful in the first few years they were able to grab their friends ask them to donate money we have always been as we can get into we're we're very much about celebrities and we've got incredible celebrity relationships they were able to have celebrities show up it was great but then they started doing other things, and the people who were running this, there was like three different presidents before me within nine years, which is not great. So it, the, the great mission and the great work that they did began amazing, and then they just they didn't have the time to put into it. And so they lost board members, And but the ones that we had were fantastic. So we did have a handful of really, really dedicated board members that did not want to see this, And and then for me coming in, it was very important for me to keep the organization as elevated as its beginnings. To that point we've got the agencies have you know, agencies are on the board, studios are all on our board, we have incredible executives, we've got producers, directors, we have we are ninety percent talent and which is something that I built. And it was really important to me, having not had any of that experience, that I really understood the culture and the world of, of the environment and of, of the different organizations. As well as, because I had younger kids, I started, I started going to all these events that I was invited to, all, you know, because of the organization. And I realized that everybody that was involved was older. And I realized that was going nowhere. We were not gonna have a presence in pop culture if the average age was 50 or 60 in the environmental activism groups. So I was a really active mom when I was a mother with schools and like doing all that stuff. And I pulled from my kids' friends and their parents and my son was actually, my son is older, so he was getting into into college and some of his friends were already starting to act and it's LA you know you go you're you're in LA you, you're in LA you've, your kids have friends who are celebrities or parents are celebrities and i just grabbed them and i said this is very important for you to be part of this this is your world And we decided that we were going to do all of our PSAs and all of our content and so much of what we do needed to be focused on on young talent and the young talent that the press would pay attention to. And so that to me was something that was really important. Everything was definitely focused towards the end result, which would be our 10th annual Emma Awards, which is very similar to the Golden Globes, but it's all green content. It's structured like it's TV and film. There's presenters, there's film clips. It's very star-studded. So focusing on that, during the beginning of the, of the year, as I was rolling things out, I had gone to film school. I was a film journalist, so I did understand story. So I... I ran around town to all the production companies and studios and networks, and I was pitching storylines for existing series, because that was easy for me to do, and I could get in because the pedigree of the name of the organization was excellent. So I would get in, and I would, I mean, everyone would want to see me. The entertainment industry was so welcoming, and everyone loves to hear about a good storyline. And those storylines, if they're good and they shoot them, we then have a the, the event we get submissions so it's it is exactly like like an award show so we're getting submissions of episodes and of films and if if they end up doing a really great piece it probably ends up in our submission pile which is really fun like it was definitely fun when I had when I pitched a storyline and then it came back and it was shot and and it was up for an MO award unbeknownst you know what I mean? Like, it was just a great thing to happen. But a lot of what, we, what I was trying to do was also focusing on how do, we, how do we raise money? How do we function? How do we put together a fantastic, amazing, elegant, classy, meaningful event? And to do that, I think it was really great that I had no idea what I was doing. I didn't even know what a step and repeat was called to be honest with you. I thought that that banner that, that stars stand in front of when, when you see them on TV was literally the banner that they started. <laughs> they started in front of. I had no idea it had a name. So I started out by thinking, okay, we have a very active carpet. We have a lot of celebrities attending and, and presenting awards. So what we really needed to do was to have... A green carpet instead of a red carpet. So I thought we're green, let's really, let's really walk the walk, literally. So we created, we had the first green carpet so that it would be more meaningful. Then I thought because we're environmental, we have to have organic and local food. Something that no environmental organizations had before us, and I have no idea why. So I, again, being naive and wanting to do things correctly, that was really important to me. And so we called some chefs. We thought we could have several chefs and it would be really great local chefs. And I ended up getting a phone call from the head of the Organic Farming Research Foundation, which sounds very wonky because... It is really wonky, and they write all they wrote all the organic laws years ago, and this guy calls me up cold, and he's like, I just want to tell you, I've been trying to get the environmental community to do their events organic for decades, and I heard you wanted to do that, and I'm going to be your new best friend, and I'm going to help you. And he did. He's long retired and we've been very dear friends ever since. We do phone catch-ups and he's just fantastic. And so from that, we became this really, really important foodie event for the organic world. And I and I was able to learn so much about organic, sustainable, local. And so the food was a big entry point for me, for me. The mm-hmm. event itself was was really successful. I think that you know, I, I asked people. I, I admitted I didn't know things, and it just was really beautiful. We ended up; one of our honorees was Pierce Brosnan when he was playing 007, so it, like couldn't be hotter. One of my best friends now is an actress named Wendy Malick. I don't know if you know Wendy, but Wendy was in Hot in Cleveland. She was the star of Just Shoot Me with David Spade at that t- at that time, actually. So. Her TV series was like a number one show in the early 2000s, probably late 1990s or something. But she, her show was really hot, and David Spade was her co-star. And she came to my first board meeting that... I made believe I knew what to do, so she always teases me, you're really a good actress, because I didn't have a clue what to do, and I met her there. She had just joined the board, and she also didn't know the dire straits that, that the organization was in, and so I said to her, you know, if you and David would host this the awards this year, I think I could figure out how to, like, build a show around it, and she just looked at me, and she goes, well, I'll make them. So done. You've got us bottom line is they were amazing. David was the hottest comic in town at that point. Huge paparazzi interest. And she is one of my best girlfriends for 20 years. I think so much of it was just being open to engaging other people. Also, the young part was really important. Being able to access the youth was huge. Because, again, no one was touching that for some reason. And right now, just for an example, one of our most active board members is 21 years old. It's Jaden Smith. So Jaden, who we honored when he was 17 years old, is incredible. And his voice is so powerful. But we have other younger voices that are so huge. But that's not to say that there's so much... Reach that everybody has, whether they're moms, celebrity moms, or whether, I mean, we have Ed Begley Jr., who's the, literally, as they're now, as, as he is now called the OG of the environmental movement, but he used to be sort of the godfather, but he's been doing this forever. And he's an incredible man, so wise, and, and such a successful actor for, for so long. So we have a whole variety of people that reach different that just reach their different audiences,
0: right? How you helped to popularize the Priuses and hybrid cars was one of your great and ongoing success stories because early on, it wasn't automatically considered as cool and trendy it as it is so not cool. today. Yeah, to have hybrids or even electric cars. So, what exactly did you do to create this buzz around the Prius? Can you walk us through how that happened?
1: Working with the Prius is, was really really special. I was lucky enough to meet a marketing executive from Toyota Corporate who was his he was tasked with working towards launching the Prius, and this was in 2001. And we had obviously just come off the amazing gala, so I knew that we actually had an organization. People were joining, things were happening. And so, I met him and I saw the car, I guess I was somewhere and I don't quite remember where it was, but I saw the car, or he showed me a picture of the car, and he was explaining the technology to me, and I said, "This this is incredible. This means that people can have a hybrid car. They don't have to change their lifestyle at all. There's clean emissions. They are saving money by not going to the gas station as much. And and they should be so proud of that. And I said to him, I, have, I think I can give you Hollywood. So I would love to give that a shot, literally not knowing what I was talking about like literally not having a clue what I was gonna do. And he trusted me, we shook hands, and he actually was my executive until he retired several years ago, and so it's amazing. So what I did was we started, I said, first of all, they they were instrumental. They started presenting and helping us financially with our big events, so they were a sponsor. And we did a series of ride and drives so that celebrities, I would invite celebrities to drive the car so that they would get an understanding of what it was. And really, what we were, what we did was we wanted to sell the fact that this this is the cool car. You're so not cool if you're driving a car that is getting no mileage and gas is spewing everywhere and you're you're clogging up you, all your carbon is going into the air. That was really the sell, is that is that this is the choice that's going to make you the way cooler person. And so we also worked with some agencies. We got CAA and William Morris at the time, and we talked to them, and we got them to talk to their clients about the car. And I was selling cars. There was There was a point where there were these hot lists because everybody wanted the cars, and the hot lists were mine. I was just getting calls from agents and business managers and because what we also did at the same time is that we worked with paparazzi. Now, remember, there was no social media, so it was all about the weeklies and about being on Entertainment Tonight and all those shows. So we worked with the paparazzis to catch the celebrities coming out of their cars. Cameron Diaz was a really early adapter, so was Leo. So our, our goal was to have them grab a canvas bag that they just went to the market with, and you see them walk out of their Prius and walk away, and that's the idea of the ultimate chic and cool. And we did that, and it was very successful. We also we had all of these celebrities, key celebrities, arrive at all the award shows in a Prius. And we worked with with the e network, and we worked with some of the other networks, and so making sure that they caught the celebrities walking out of the Prius, and they got the car in the shot, because that was really, really, really important. I remember George Clooney was up one year for, uh, I think it was up for like three different things, like best actor, director, producer. It was one of those years for him. There was already a Lexus hybrid at that time, and so we offered him a Lexus hybrid or a Prius, whatever he wanted to do it. I loved that he said. I want the Prius because I want even the people who can't see close to understand that I'm coming out of a hybrid. That's what he did. And so we really, really worked with the visibility and really creating, and it's still the coolest car because you care and it's a choice and making sure that sustainable lifestyle choices elevate you and and create who you really are and bring that out into the, into the world as part of your identity. And we do that now with social media. Like all of our, we have a tremendous amount of social media reach. We've got, I think it's like almost 200 million followers just from our boards. But it's really important to be able to, and I think that people are coming around to this, using their voices very clearly as an identity that they want to project. And I think sustainable lifestyle is huge for that. I think that people really want to be, they're very proud and they really would love to gently educate the public and our policy and our mission and our objective has always been to support everybody on their path. There's no judgment. It's all positive and it's about moving towards as much sustainability as you can comfortably diving deeper in and for us to applaud the steps because no one's perfect. And I think that's the most important thing because we are the storytellers. I mean, at this point, our mission is more refined. Our organization are the storytellers for the environment because the reality is that the medical profession, the education profession, the scientists, the legislators, the attorneys, they don't know how to tell a story. We know how to tell a story. And that's our job is to be the voice for everybody and to be able to tell the message in a way that is very comfortable and very empowering for people.
0: Well, speaking of being gentle educators, one of your other notable programs today is the Emma Green Seal for production. And this is something that most of the general public may not consciously think about when we show up to movie theaters or watch films and short films on various topics at home. So what made you feel like this seal needed to exist? And in practice, how does it influence productions and their plot lines and characters? It's actually
1: huge. The Emma Green Seal is not about the plot lines and the storylines. That's our messaging and story and storytelling. Part of our, of our organization, the Emma Green Show was actually started in 2003, and I went to a set of one of our board members who has had a sitcom, and so it was you know on set with studio audience kind of thing. But I went during the week during rehearsal because I was bringing in sort of props for the kitchen set to make sure that they were using reusable bags and that they had recycling on the set and all those things that you want to just kind of see on camera. That that, again, in those days, you didn't see. And then I was also there, there to talk to the the writers about some storylines. But I was sitting there watching them rehearse a little bit, and I was on set, and I looked at a trash can, and I realized that there was no recycling going on on the set. It was on camera, it was, but behind the scenes. And this was a really, really, really green actor it was like solar panels when there were no solar panels and electric cars and then hybrid cars, so incredibly conscious as a family. And there was no consciousness at all that there was like a script and a banana peel and a water bottle in a a bin right steps away from on camera. And so I really thought about this, and I thought, this is insane. And I went home, and I made a few phone calls to some of our board members, and I said, we need to start a committee because we are talking about messaging Sustainable behaviors, but behind the scenes, our industry is not doing anything. And I'm so embarrassed. And we have to start something like a like an Emma Green Seal. And we ended up with an incredible group that included a couple of network heads, producers, actors, all people who were actively working within within the the industry. And after about five, six meetings, maybe more. We came up with what we called like the 10 things that nobody could get mad at us for asking them to do because it was at that point, no one wanted to spend any money. But at that point, they were messengering one page at a time to Talent's houses several times a day. If You can even imagine. They were and there was email and there was all this stuff. They were so old school that they would do that. And the amount of waste and what was going on, the, the printing of the papers, even the ones that they had to use for scripts, were not recycled paper, one-sided, all the things that we take for granted now. So there was we could do that actually we said to them, this is going to save you money. And so in 2004, we gave away our first Emma Green Seal awards during our content awards. And the program now has 175 points. It has been integrated. At that point, there weren't even sustainability departments at studios. So we helped with all of that. We brought all the studios together in our offices for the first time because they didn't want to talk to each other before, which were like, this is really dumb. You all want to do sustainable actions. You should be sharing things. And... They're all on our board. And anyway, so I said, this is, and now they have weekly calls. They're the tightest group, all of the studios. And they eventually took over helping us and creating the template because they understood production. And so we now have the Emma Green Seal for production, which is the standard not only in this country for all productions, but it's it's all over the world. And they use the Emma Green Seal for productions as what a producer gets before they start production. We're not as control of the indie stuff and the YouTube stuff just transparently. We just, we can't be as control. We do a lot of work with independent films because they know about it and they want to get an Emma Green Seal because we've given away thousands at this point. But it is the standard. And the Producers Guild uses it and all the studios use it. The Indian Film society uses it and everybody in the UK. I think that that is one of the greatest things that I'm proud of, to be really honest, that we were able to do that. And literally, it came from a really uncomfortable trash can that I saw.
0: Right. So do you feel like at this point, it's pretty normalized to have eco-conscious productions? Or are there ways that we as viewers and individuals can help to support this trend to continue?
1: I think it is pretty normal. I think when they don't do it, they know they're not doing it. But the costs have come down so dramatically, even with energy use and, and a lot of the things that was more difficult with craft services, which is their food service. It used to be just all the cheapest stuff that they could find in big box stores. But the actors have are demanding healthier food. And so it's really shifted. There's a lot of vegan, there's tons of organic, there's tons of local. It's really changed a lot. I think that this is something that unfortunately for the public they just don't know is going on and they don't have a lot of power with it but what they could do is support and and watch the programming that have content so if there's shows that you know have sustainable storylines woven in, or some of the most incredible documentaries that now we have access to because of streaming services, as opposed to having to go to the movies and see them, watch them, and support that, and sort of help integrate that into your own life. There are guidelines on our website, which is green the number four ema dot org. So it's green four. EMA.org. You can pick up and and figure out how to do all those things because it's all online, all the criteria. We also have an Emma Sustainability Standard now for hospitality and for businesses, and we've moved into different sectors without the scorecard in the same way because they're all different businesses. We're even working... One of our board members is Amber Valletta, supermodel Amber Valletta, whose face you see, every day in, in, on billboards and in magazines, but Amber is working with us to help green the fashion weeks in the industry. So she's incredibly knowledgeable about sustainable fashion. So there's so many great ways that the, that Emma Seal has taken us behind the scenes to be able to learn so many wonderful things.
0: Well, you've worked on so many things in the past two decades at this point, and I really want to congratulate and thank you for all of that, especially with you starting as somebody who didn't consider yourself as an environmentalist or someone who is super outdoorsy. So I'm curious at this point, as someone who went from not being an environmentalist to being a leader with great influence in this space. What do you think we should learn through your story and experiences in terms of what it takes to turn that switch in the people around us and at a larger scale, what it takes to influence popular culture and societal trends to be greener?
1: Right, it's a very very special point right now in the world because anyone with a social media account influences people so i think that there's so much power in the individual right now and i think like for me i mean my life totally changed there's nothing that doesn't that i don't do or that my family doesn't do that doesn't go through a sustainability or environmental lens the thing is is that i'm still the same person and i mean obviously so much has evolved but i still i live in la it's such a metropolitan city even though we're kind of sprawling but I think that you're able to make your choices and just be aware of what you're doing. The things that I purchase for my home, my clothes. My daughter actually has, I'm going to plug it, the most amazing clothing line. It's called Dame, and the website is shop at Dame, D-A-M-E, dot .org, and she uses all upcycled fabric, and she designs around that and, that and local. So what that means is all of the dead stock that, that designers and, and clothing manufacturers throw out, out, she grabs that dead stock and then she creates collections with that and does it all locally. And so... She's not the only one, but her stuff is amazing. But being very, really aware, reading labels is a huge thing that has has completely taken over, I think, my life. I, I know everything that's in cleaning products. We work with Ecos, which is, like, incredible. You know, I've been to their plant. It's plant-based cleaning products. And so you want to make sure that the food that you're eating, the, the cleaning products, the skin care, the clothing, that's above and beyond. I don't think that we have a choice anymore. I think that being able to look around and to understand that the planet is, is so connected with us and that everything that we do has rippling effect, that is something that makes people just really understand the value of every choice that they make. And also, so much so is about keeping your family safe. I mean, for me, I wanted my kids safe. I have four grandchildren. I want them totally safe. They all, like, you know, they, they grew up not even thinking that you run water when you brush your teeth, just for sort of an old school thing. I grew up run the water when you brush your teeth. I didn't even think about wasting water. And so many of their practices are just integrated into who they are because this is so much of an aware generation.
0: I really love that you combined your understanding and your learning lessons around how the media world works, what it takes to shift popular culture and have and be able to scale your impact on on the general public and public awareness with this deep rooted mission of yours over time. So that's definitely something that we can learn from, especially because. Oftentimes people think that the challenge environmentalists have is not understanding as well what it takes to shift popular culture, so I just love that you sort of bridge the two worlds
1: thank you i mean i I definitely have my roots in pop culture and really feel like I understand it, and there's no reason not to put that together because that is that that's the way to people. That, that's the way people learn and hear. I mean, you, you see people that don't even read any news except for Twitter or or Instagram. And so you have to be really, really conscious of how information is being shared right now.
0: Before we go into our final five concluding questions, on this note of shifting popular culture, is there anything that we can do as individuals to support this popular culture shift? Because it can sound kind of lofty to the average person. So what might our individual role be?
1: I mean, I think as an individual, I think it's, it's what your passion is, learning about it and sharing it with your friends, meaning that sharing it on social. Because social is has such a – I mean, it's got negative stuff, but it's got such a positive, positive reach. And there's so much that people get from that. They, It really is – good or bad, it's how people are thinking right now. It's what's informing what their actions are. So I think that's hugely important. It's, you know, start a garden, grow your own food, do do small steps and get excited about it. I mean, the one of the biggest things in terms of health is making sure that you don't have toxins in your house. Make sure you read the labels for what you're bringing into your home. Make sure that you read your labels on everything that you bring into your house in terms of food. I think that those are things that you could do and then talk about it and then share and then sustainable fashion is definitely the next wave as food was about 15 years ago. And so there's a way that you can find so many great lines online because we shop online anyway and so you're able to find things that potentially would not be in a, in, a, in a mall or in a shop in a in a department store so you can just kind of find these clothes but I think understanding where where it sits with you personally and then telling the story because we're all storytellers and so I think it's allowing yourself to, to really use that power and doing it gently and respectfully and understanding that everybody has their own process.
0: We all are strong people Working hard every day and night Trying to make the world peaceful And we won't give up without a fight What's an uplifting social media account or publication you follow or a book that's been really profound for you?
1: I'll tell you, I'm reading this book right now. It's called The Future We Choose, Surviving the Climate Crisis. Mm. And the authors are Christiana Figueres and Tom Rivet karnak And Christiana and Tom were really, really instrumental in crafting the Paris Climate Agreement a couple of years ago. They're actually speaking for us at one at our Emma Impact Summit. We're not sure what the date is yet, but they're coming to speak. They wrote a book that was so readable, if you think about what their background is, that is so logical and such a clear choice as sort of explaining, you in know, a, in a, I don't want to say pop culture because it's not quite, but it is very, very, gentle and relatable in in their approach as to what we're doing now will inform what our future looks like and that we have that choice right now to to make these decisions so i'm a big fan
0: what do you tell yourself to stay positive and inspired
1: you know i think i'm a really positive person just by nature and i think that's been really helpful i think that the most positive thing you could do is be informed and just make sure that you're in control of what surrounds you in your own personal life. And that, again, goes back to knowing, knowing what you bring into the house, knowing what you're, you're bringing to your family. That's really positive because if you do that, you know that you're one person who's making a difference and that becomes multiplied.
0: What's one thing you're working on right now for your health?
1: Well, the one thing I'm working on for my health is I'm back to doing yoga, which I love. And since I have tons of energy, meditating is so hard for me. I was running around being so busy, and I am taking this moment, and I have decided that this is really important for me. So I really love doing yoga and so my practice has sort of taken off again, and that's just for me. And in in my life, I don't have a lot of that just-for-me time.
0: What are you working on right now to elevate your positive impact for our planet? Any upcoming projects?
1: I think that running Emma, the Environmental Media Association, for 20 years has really been my life's work, to be honest. And I, I kind of do it all the time I also it's it stays interesting because every time we do something every time we do a project there's always another way to go and there's something else that comes out of it and I think it's really listening and being open to what you can actually do and just jumping in and kind of jumping in without thinking about the fact that you can't do it because I'll just say a lot of the things that everything that I think that I've done as an adult where we're not thought out in terms of feasibility. If it sounded good to my gut, I just wanted to do it. And I think that that's been really successful.
0: And what makes you most hopeful for our planet at the moment?
1: I'm so hopeful for the, for the youth movement. I am so hopeful for the kids and the teenagers and the young 20s. I feel like that demographic is going to save our world. I think it's going to save our planet.
0: So it's www.green4ema.org to continue following Debbie's work. And you can also follow them on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Green4EMA or Twitter for Debbie personally at Debbie at EMA. Debbie, thank you so much for joining us today and for your leadership. How can our listener best support the work you're doing? And what final words of wisdom do you have for us as Green Dreamers?
1: Thank you. This was so fun. (laughs) I think that definitely going onto our website, which again is, you know, green4emma. Dot org. There's a donate button. We would love to have any help from you guys. We have a lot of programs. As you can see on our, on our website, you can see all the different program work that we do from working with schools and underserved communities to plant gardens to all of the other work that we're doing. We have a huge two-day impact summit. We have the awards gala that, that is so instrumental in educating people about content. So I think coming there, we've got an impact blog. We are now also starting, environmental media network. So we're going to be having all kinds of incredible conversations with celebrities, with young students, with people from Harvard. We've got relationships with so many different places that we're going to make sure that that we sort of have that opportunity to be part of that. So again, go to our website and you can see all. And I think as far as inspiration, I think that really listening to yourself and really honoring what you feel and making sure that you understand that we are all part of the same planet and that all beings really, really need the respect of surrounding themselves with sustainable and natural elements is the most important thing that we can do. And we have the power to do that.